Amen. Amen. Welcome. Welcome to the gathering of Church 21. My name is Dwight, one of the pastors here. Uh, so excited uh, to be here with you. Uh, we're continuing on in our series called Everyday Jesus, and we've been looking at a whole series of ideas and how they relate to Jesus, or rather, how Jesus relates to those ideas. And the big idea of it all is that everything that we do in our normal, ordinary things of life is intended to be connected to to Jesus. So we're a church that loves Jesus. We exist for him and because of him. And so we're going to hear a lot about Jesus today. And uh, this morning, we're going to specifically talk about a, a subject that there's not a lot of material out there on, actually. And I haven't heard a sermon on it before, though I'm sure people have done it. Uh, but we're going to talk about the subject of, of leisure or leisure or however you want to say it. I don't care. I'm going to say leisure. So there you go. Um, but before we do that, I want to pray, and, uh, and then we'll get going. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you that uh, you speak to us through your word. Thank you that you are a great God who is here with us. You want to challenge us and change us and mold us uh, to look more and more like Jesus. So, Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you speak to us who are here that don't believe? We, we, we're here. We don't actually know why we're here necessarily, but would you change our hearts? We're, we're here um, because we have time to, to be leisurely, and we want to be following you with that time as well. So uh, we love you, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we need you. Amen. All right, so leisure. Uh, leisure is complicated. Okay, it's very complicated. And it's complicated because we're complicated. And because it's really hard for us to put specific definitions onto things. So the moment that you tell people, you have a lot of leisure time, they come back and they're like, no, I don't. Because their idea of leisure is different than your idea. And I can tell you that everyone here this morning has leisure time. How do I know it? Because you're here. Nobody made you be here this morning. Uh, You chose to be here at your leisure. And we've provided nice comfy chairs for you to be here in. All right. So whatever. Leisure is complicated. Here's how I'm going to define it. And some of you will be angry about this. And it doesn't really matter to me because it's not that big of a deal. Um, But leisure is time that we're not sleeping or working. Leisure is time where we're not sleeping or working. I'm simple. So I like simple definitions. Um, Here's the deal. When we have leisure time, our choices are the ones that fill up that time. Okay, so when you have time where someone isn't telling you what to do, and not that that's your three-year-old, but instead like a boss that's telling you what to do, uh, or your body telling you that you're forced to sleep, that's your leisure. And again, some of you are going to say, but I have lots of kids. I'm like, yes, we, we have four. I understand that. And we made some specific decisions that I won't go into uh, that resulted in those four children, right? So we chose something in our leisure that now fills our leisure, right? So our choices dictated what now fills our leisure, and we really need to take into account the choices that we're making today because they will have glorious and hard and difficult and glorious. It's important to say that twice when you're talking about kids, right? Right? repercussions and privileges and responsibilities. But our choices fill our leisure time. So how much time do we have? How much leisure time do you have? Okay, so I I took some time to think about this this week. And um, here we go. This thing's working. 46.5. This is a nice number. 46.5. So I worked through someone who works on average 
a nine-hour day with a one-hour lunch in there and an hour of travel, okay? And an hour and a half prep time for like your shower, nails, or whatever you do, and meals, okay? All the prep time together. So, and then you're sleeping. So at the end of the day and the end of the week, an average full-time worker has 46.5 hours of leisure where their choices get to fill in. That's a lot of time, all right? Now let's go to part-time workers. On average, you have 67 hours of free time. For students, on average, you have 211 hours of free time. That's a joke, all right? This is not 211 hours in the week. And I've sat next to some of you in cafes where you're studying. That's not studying. That's leisure. Like, I see you write your one note card and then text to the world. And then you Instagram your note card. And then you put your card on top of it. Like, I get it. You are a card. It's a joke. Laugh with me, okay? Uh, if you're a mom, you have minus 14 hours. I've been counting somehow the portal of students and moms. Like, moms are losing hours to students. It's wild. Here's the big idea. All have leisure time. All of us have leisure time, even if it's one to two hours per day. So we ask the question, why? Why do we have leisure time? Why do we have this extra time in life where we feel like we have the ability to just fill it? Or we have disposable time or time to kill? The reason why we have leisure time is and rest time. I'm going to use those phrases, words interchangeably, leisure, rest, and Sabbath. The reason why we have this is because of God. So in the second chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, we see this. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and the host of them. Genesis 1 is all of creation. And then God's done. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So why do we have leisure, rest, and Sabbath? Because God is a God who rests. God is a God who rests. God created this rhythm of work and rest. This is supposed to be the rhythm of our life, that we work and then we rest. We work and we rest. We work and we rest. It shouldn't be all work until you fall asleep at night, because sleep sometimes isn't restful, but it should be work and rest, work and rest. That God made leisure for us. Here's what God does. Six days, on the sixth day, God makes man. On the seventh day, he lets him rest. What did man do? He like, he took a, a nap. He named a few animals, maybe. He was keeping the apple trees, and God's like, time for some leisure. Like, this is beautiful, that we have a God that isn't a slave master, a taskmaster that's beating us to work harder and harder and harder, but instead he puts into the natural fabric of life rest and a desire in our hearts for rest. Many of you think that rest is for the weak, but rest is actually for the worshiper. Rest helps us to realize that we are in fact weak, that we don't have what it takes. We have these things called like mental health days and burnout days. And we have pay that we actually pay for people when they've worked so hard, haven't rested, they burned out. We pay them for that because we recognize that this person definitely needs rest. So if you don't rest, 
voluntarily, you'll be forced to rest at some point. This is the way that God designed us, that we are to enjoy rest. Pete Scazzaro wrote this book. Well, he's written several books called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Emotionally Healthy Leaders, Emotionally Healthy Relationship. It's all in emotional health. Here's what Pete had to say. When I experience a sense of God's pleasure and approval on Sabbath or when I'm resting, I know it has nothing to do with my work-related accomplishments. If you're like me, you like task lists. You like getting things done. You feel a sense of accomplishment at the end of the day when you've you've done all the things that you set out to do or you feel guilt when you didn't do the things that you set out to do. But this is beautiful. When you're resting and on your day off and you feel worth, you feel loved, you feel cared for, you feel like you're everything you're supposed to be. It's not because God loves you because of the work that you do. He loves you because he made you. You have worth outside of your work. We matter to him. A few months ago, I preached a sermon at a different church. And the phrase that I kept hearing that morning is that you're not needed, but you matter. God doesn't need your work. God doesn't need your stuff. He's not dependent on that. He was doing a really good job at things before you were born. And he'll do a really good job of things when you die. We get this little parenthesis, I can't say that word apparently. You get this little parenthetical thing inside of history. And all of history does not revolve around us. It's about something far greater. It's about him. So we matter to him. We matter so much that he commands us to rest. In the book of Exodus, here's what happens. The people of God is stuck in slavery in Egypt. God rescues them out of slavery and they come to Mount Sinai in the wilderness and God gives them what we know as the 10 commandments and a lot of other commandments as well, but the big 10. And one of those is this. Remember the Sabbath day. He's speaking to a free people. They're already free. So God is saying to stay free, here's what you need to do. Remember the Sabbath day. One of the top 10 for God is that we rest. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do, you shall not do any work. You, your son, daughter, male servant, female servant, your life, like the donkeys get the day off. God cares about you so much that he wants your donkey to get a day off. Or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, all that is in them, rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. All the other days don't get that special blessing. It's the Sabbath that gets blessed. And yet we as a culture, we struggle to rest. God is saying there's so much enjoyment here for you. I have so much to give you. And it's like, yeah, but I just want to finish returning my work emails. Yeah, but I just got to get a little little further ahead on this project. Then I'll be able to rest. But we want a vacation, not the type of rest that the Lord is talking about here. But you matter so much to him that he would command you to take a break. He would command you to rest. Here's what God wants. He wants for us to stop. To be able to rest. To be able to delight in him 
the people around us, and our surroundings. He wants us to be able to contemplate who God is and what he's done. And he wants us to be able to play. This is what it means to Sabbath. To stop, rest, delight, contemplate, and play. And this God gives us permission, actually a command, to do this. And we so often don't take him up on it. So how do we leisure well? This has been a really interesting sermon to prepare. Because the easy thing, honestly, would be to tell you just to do what I do. Like just to write down all the things of, of how I understand leisure and just say, just, just do the things I do. That would have cut sermon prep way down. But instead, we want to actually get to the heart of what God wants. What does God desire for our leisure, our time that we're not sleeping or working? How do we leisure well and not just create a new law? So this morning is going to be more like boundaries for leisure. And as I'm preaching, here's going to be the temptation in your mind. You're going to say, yeah, but. Or if you're like my kids, they say it weird. They, they don't say, yeah, but. They say, no, because. And we want to move them more toward the yeah, but. But then we want to even take them further and actually have them listen. So don't yeah, but everything it said this morning, maybe the spirit actually has something for you in this. Maybe the way that you leisure needs to be challenged or shifted or changed. So we're going to go to Jesus. Jesus. Right, this is me trying to change this thing. Can you go to the next slide? There we go. All right. Do I now have control? Yes, I have control. All right, Jesus. Jesus is the most intentional human to ever live. Right? No one would argue about that. No one. He's intentional and he's accomplished. He was so accomplished. Like, I don't know what goes on your CV, but his is like redeemed the whole world. Oh, yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. We get all excited at a story of someone rescuing or saving someone else. They're all the time on social media feeds. You know, a dog rescues his owner by dragging him out of the water and is like, yay, dog. But like that dog has nothing on Jesus. Jesus was intentional, accomplished, but he rested perfectly. He rested perfectly. If you were to read the accounts of Jesus's life, you would find him praying all the time. He filled his leisure time with prayer. You'd find him Sabbathing. You would find him partying, right? He was at all the parties. He got accused of being a drunk and a glutton, not because he was, but because of the company that he was hanging out with. He wasn't with all the good little religious boys and girls. He was with the people who needed to know who God was. And he wasn't there saying, shame on you. He was showing them a better way. That Jesus partied. That Jesus was eating all the time. It's like Jesus had like nine meals a day. He was kind of like a hobbit, like third breakfast and 11 Z's and all these things. Jesus is always eating with people. He understood how to rest. Why did Jesus do that? John 5, 19, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son being Jesus can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. Jesus rested and Sabbath and partied and dined because that's what God the father did. God was a God of rest. 
This is how Jesus worked out his life. And so I think the best way to start this conversation, I know we're like 10 minutes into it and we're just starting, sorry. Um, the best way to do this is to look at one of Jesus's vacations that he took and see how did Jesus rest? How did Jesus use his leisure time? So we're going to be in Mark chapter 6, which was read for us before. Here's the context. His disciples are just coming back. The 12 have been out on ministry journeys. They've been healing people. They've seen demons, um, people released from demons and exercise. They've seen the, the work of God in marvelous ways. They just report back to Jesus. And we also find out in Mark 6 that John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, uh, was beheaded. So, like, this is ministry. Really exciting things and really sad things. But the story of God keeps moving on despite those. But yet Jesus doesn't just roll on. He stops to actually talk about them, think about them, and work through them. So the context is they're busy doing stuff. They're emotional from their loss that they, they just saw. So Jesus invites them into this vacation. So we're in the book of Mark. There's a book in the New Testament. Listen to this. Jesus said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going. They had no leisure even to eat. So Jesus is saying, we're going to go to like backwoods, Kentucky. We're going to go to northern Ontario. We're going to go where no one is, right? We're going to get time by ourselves. We're going to enjoy one another. We're going to rest. We're going to get recharged. And then we're going to do whatever's next, Right? When you go on vacation and you go to a desolate place, you go there because nothing happens there. You're there to refresh. And this is what Jesus is doing with his disciples. So they get in this boat and they go to cross the sea. And oh, just as soon as they had gotten rid of their work emails, they see it slowly just filling up. Don't you hate that when you get your inbox to zero? And then you just watch your phone like, three like what's three there for and it's like 30 you're like how's this 30 coming like they just keep coming and this is what happens mark 6 33 now many saw them going and recognized them and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them and when he went ashore he saw a great crowd so they're going in the boat and it's like you're arriving into port and you just see all these people like Jesus signs like you know the guy who's not wearing a shirt like Jesus painted on his belly and like they're all running there thousands of them interrupting your vacation when you want to get away from people and they're there that's the worst and then you have to pretend like you're happy I'm so glad to see you here. Like you go to a cafe to work. I'm, I'm running through my mind. I don't think this has happened with any of you here. You're going to a cafe to work and you're so excited to be away from certain people. And you get there and they're there. And you're like, I was getting away from you. Uh, yeah, it happened the other day uh, with Jordan. No, I'm just joking. Uh, but no, I showed up, went to a cafe. I'm having a meeting. And then Jordan came in and I was actually excited to see Jordan. But it's amazing. The city's really small. You can't get away from the things that Jesus wants to do here in the city. Nonetheless, work arrives. Work arrives. Now, what do you do? What do you do if you're one of the disciples? You just look at Jesus and you're like, Jesus, I just need leisure, man. I just need to rest. 
Would you please preach that eat my flesh and drink my blood sermon again so that these people would leave and go away? I just want some time alone with you, right? Life's crazy. Jesus, we're supposed to be on retreat. Like I, if, if it's me in that moment, I'm trying to manipulate Jesus into doing what I want to be done, right? Because I know me. I know what I try and do. I know some of my prayers. I'm praying. I'm in the midst of my prayers. And I'm like, God, I'm trying to manipulate you. I'm so sorry, right? Like God doesn't understand what's going on underneath, right? That like he doesn't see my motives, but the disciples are feeling the weightiness of ministry and they're ready to dismiss them. Look at what the disciples do, 35 and 36. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, Jesus. The hour is now late. Send them away. Send them, please, to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. They probably had good intentions about this, but if it's me, I'm playing the like, Lord, they need to eat. Don't you care about them? Right? Like, it seems like you don't care about them. Let's send them away so that they can eat and we can be alone. Right? They're ready to dismiss them. And then Jesus makes it worse. Ugh. 37. He answered them, well, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go buy 200 denarii? Denarii a day's worth of work. Shall we go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? You want us to waste our vacation money on crumbs for these people? There are thousands of them. Jesus, we were going to go paragliding. We were going to go snorkeling. We were going to float in the Dead Sea. Like all the things we were going to do, you wanted us to waste it on that. I was going to send a bottle of Dead Sea thing back to my kid. Like we, we saved up for this. This is important to us. And Jesus, you give him something to eat. What's Jesus doing? He's redefining what rest really is. He's redefining what rest is for them and for us. You see, because we so often look at people as interrupters of our leisure. I'm reading a book. I like to read. I, I'm reading at home. Daddy, what? Like, would you leave me? Like, I didn't get through a paragraph and I had to do four things, right? We see people so often as interrupters of our leisure, but Jesus doesn't see people that way. He doesn't see people as interrupting his leisure, but opportunities to show compassion to. I was working through the sermon with my wife. I'm like, I don't like the sermon. I don't know where it's going. And I was at this point or past this point, and I'm talking to her. One of our kids comes by, and I'm like, would you leave me alone? Like, I'm trying to do my sermon. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I don't understand our children as people to be compassionate to. I see them as interrupters. I need to understand more of what Jesus actually sees as real rest. That people aren't interrupters of our leisure, but opportunities to show compassion. Look at what Jesus does when he sees the thousands coming. When he went ashore and saw a great crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Jesus was there for rest. And Jesus doesn't actually see his rest and the things he's doing as going against one another. This compassion that he had is, is something that can only come from God. Jesus was a man, but also God. But he laid aside his godness to live like a man. But he was full of the Holy Spirit. 
And so this compassion that he had for people was something from the spirit. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you too are full of the same spirit, that the compassion that Jesus had on these people can be something that rises up from within you, from the spirit living in you, to minister and care for people. You see, when we understand that God is our leisure, not that place, not that time, not that book, not that Netflix show, not that vacation. When we understand that God is our leisure, that we don't need long breaks of downtime, we can ask him to be full in an instant as Jesus did. When we understand that we need him, when we come up to things that are potential interrupters, we say, okay, God, this, this came, they came, help me. Now, I need your help now. People aren't interrupters. The second thing that we learn is that leisure isn't dependent upon what we have. Rest isn't dependent on what we have, but what God provides. Our rest isn't dependent on what we have, but what God provides. Look at this, Mark 38 to 41. Mark 6, 38 to 41. He said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. You know, we got nothing. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds, by fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven, said a blessing, and broke the loaves. Jesus wasn't looking to provide from himself. Jesus wasn't looking to provide from the resources he had around him. Jesus was looking to provide from heaven. He was looking for God to actually provide in that moment. Jesus' rest was secure. Jesus wasn't freaking out. What are, what are we going to do? How are we going to feed these people? How are we going to take care of them? What are we going to do? Who's going to whiteboard this out? Who's going to do this? His Father, we have a need. This is a food we have. We need to feed all these people. You need to do something about it. And it happens that our leisure and our rest isn't dependent on what we have, but upon what God provides. This means in the most unleisureful environment, the most unrestful environment, when God is there and providing, it becomes this oasis of peace. It becomes this oasis of rest. It becomes this oasis of provision. It's like a fountain that springs up in the desert for our greatest needs. Our rest is secure. The next thing we find out is that leisure is not a time we stop handing out the goodness of God. Leisure, rest, Sabbath isn't a time where we stop distributing the things of God. Look at verses 41 to 43. Taking the five loaves, two fish, looked up to heaven, said a blessing, broke the loaves, gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And they took up the 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. You know, if you're like me, you get on vacation, you get on rest, you get on leisure, you get on Sabbath. It's like, oh. and you start singing these weird songs. It's all about me, right? And, and you think that everything just needs to be about you. And you sit on an airplane and you're like, Oh, this person sat down next to me. Should I say hello to them or not? Ah, I'm Sabbathing. Earphones on, video on. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we can get in these little entitled places. This is my rest. This is my Sabbath. This is my day. I'm, I'm, I'm deserving of this. And we see the Sabbath as a time where we stop actually distributing 
the goodness of God to people. Instead, we get angry at people for interrupting the goodness that we're trying to receive from God. Everyone becomes an interruption. But the disciples actually get to play a significant part in the people being fed, right? Jesus doesn't say, you guys are a joke, I'll do a handout, right? And like work the ballpark, you know, like peanuts for free, like all this stuff. He instead gives them all baskets. Here, you go and distribute this to people. So you get to take a part in watching the Father multiply and you getting to hand out the goodness of God to others. This is what we get to do on rest. And all the people were satisfied that day. And the disciples who were freaking out about how are we going to send them out of here were standing there each with a basket full of bread. Like we didn't come here with this. We didn't come into our rest with anything. And we're leaving with a basket full of provision. This is the type of stuff that God does in our rest. God doesn't stop handing out stuff on the Sabbath. Right? When, when you Sabbath, there's not a day to Sabbath any longer. It's not a, a Saturday. But when you Sabbath, it's not like God's saying, I wish I could answer that prayer, but I'm Sabbathing today. Come back to me tomorrow. It's like, yeah, but it's not my Sabbath. Well, you really should align your schedule with me a little better. God doesn't do that. God keeps distributing goodness on the Sabbath. Leisure is actually a time, rest is a time, where we should expect more of God. And where we should expect more of God for others. God, would you bless me on this day so that I could bless other people? Not just about receiving. Not just about receiving blessing, but being blessed so that we can bless. Receiving so that we can give away. And leisure and rest allows us the capacity to actually keep taking in. We drink from God all day long so that we're able to actually distribute his goodness out. You see, rest and leisure isn't the absence of people or problems. Rest and leisure isn't the absence of people or problems. What rest does is it reawakens us to the presence of God. So you're working hard all week long and then you get a day and you're like, Lord, I'm tired. So I'm just going to sit here for a little while. I just, I want to hear from you. I'm going to sit, I'm going to meander in the Psalms. I'm going to work through a passage of scripture, but I'm just going to sit and I'm going to enjoy you. And I'm going to think about your holiness, or I'm going to think about your sovereignty. Elections are coming up tomorrow. A great meditation for you is to think about the sovereignty of God today, that regardless of who is elected by the Canadian people, the Lord is still in charge. So you can meditate on that and take great courage despite who's leading, whether you like them or not. So rest and leisure awakens us to the presence of God again. It reminds us that God provides, not just through your work. It's interesting. We work all week long and we get a paycheck. Work all week long, we get a paycheck. We rest, no paycheck. I mean, yeah, we have like unemployment stuff, so you get a little paycheck, but you don't work for it. But God's economy is the opposite. It's like, I want you to work and I'm going to pay you there, but then I want you to rest so you get more of me. I want you to take a break so that you have bigger capacity to handle more of me pouring into you. You see, it's when the people were sitting, come with no food and go to a desolate place that one of the greatest miracles ever happens. You realize that. 
It's not because the people did all this amazing stuff and God's like, fine, I'm so impressed with this. I'm going to give you all fish and bread for lunch. You came here with nothing. I'm God. Are you kidding me? I'm not providing for you. You got to show me how worthy you are. That's not the God we serve. We serve a God that when we come to the table with nothing, with our desolate, with our empty baskets, he fills them up and they're overflowing so we can give it to other people too. This is what God does. This is who he is. Rest and leisure are not times to shut off. They're times to turn on even greater to what God is doing. There's a great debate in Jesus' day about his activity on the Sabbath. Can you heal on the Sabbath? Can you not heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus didn't care about what the religious leaders were saying. Jesus saw his father healing people on the Sabbath, so Jesus healed people on the Sabbath. Jesus did whatever the father wanted him to do. You see, the Sabbath is not about you. Rest and leisure is not about you or getting through your book or your show or your concert or your nap. It's not about that. It's about the Lord pouring into you so that you can look more like Jesus to a world that has no idea what Jesus looks like. That's what Sabbath is about. That's why he lets you rest. He wants to transform you. And we, we neglect rest because we're uncomfortable with it. We really are. During my sabbatical, four months long, the first three weeks were okay. Week three to four were painful because I didn't know what it felt like to just sit and not do a lot. I had to relearn what it was like to rest completely and not be lazy or slothful, but to rest and get from the Lord, not just do things for the ministry. See, rest provides opportunities to receive and distribute in ways that are unique and less restricted. So, how do we practice? So, that's how Jesus vacations. So now we'll move into seven practical things, all right? How do we practice rest and leisure? The first thing is uh, Jesus is our rest. Jesus is our rest. You can't rest without him. Your heart is going to be restless until you allow him to capture you and open your eyes to who he really is. He is everything you're looking for. You're looking for security. You won't find it until you find it in him. You're looking for approval. You won't find it until you find it in him. You're looking for comfort. You won't find it until you find it in him. You're looking for the next best story. You won't find it until you find it in him. You're looking for someone who will never bail out on you. Well, even your best friend is gonna die someday, but Jesus won't. Your, your heart is longing for him. And our hearts are restless until they find rest in him. I think it was Augustine that said that. We can't rest without him. See, religion says, do this list of things and don't do this list of things. And if you do enough good things, not enough bad things, then maybe at the end, God will approve of you and let you into his presence. But the gospel says, man, you're so screwed up that you would never be allowed in God's presence. You and I are so messed up. Like we don't leisure right. We don't work right. We're selfish. We're self-centered. We think the world spins around us, right? We think that everything is about us. Like we're just, we're busted up. But God loves you so much. 
Jesus loves you so much. He knew how broken you were and how broken you are and will be that he came to wear your brokenness on the cross. Jesus came to take all of your horrible works onto himself, all your rebellion against God so that you could wear his righteousness, his right standing. You could be forgiven by God in an instant. This is what the cross is about. And then Jesus gets put in the grave and then he rises up. On the cross, he declares, it's finished. Work is done. There's only rest now for everyone who will find their identity in what I've just done. He rises up out of the grave to say, yep, what I did was real and true. I never sinned. I took that all for you. I can't stay dead because I didn't sin. I'm alive. I'm active, moving. I want to bring you into my family. Oh, and I want to give you rest. You're working so hard to find an identity that you'll never actually find. So let me give you one. Let me give you an identity. Adopted, righteous child of God. Beloved. Apple of the Father's eye. This is what the gospel is. Christianity is not like every other religion. And even some forms of Christianity is not like the gospel. It's not about what you do. It's about what's been done for you. And until you understand that, you won't rest. You can't rest. Because you have to keep asking, is that enough? And Jesus said, I said it from the cross. It's done. It's enough. You can rest. Take my burden. It's really light. In fact, I'm going to carry it for you still. So second thing, how do we practice lest, lest, how do we practice rest and leisure? Creating new words. We need Sabbath. You need Sabbath. And if you're like, yeah, but mm, you definitely need Sabbath. Like when you start looking at me cross-eyed and I know that you don't struggle with that, I'm like, when's the last time you rested? Right? When you get like little ticks, it's like, when was the last time you rested? When you fall asleep all the time, when was the last time you rested? You need Sabbath. If Jesus needed Sabbath, you need Sabbath. Boom. That's like the mic drop, right? Jesus did. So you're better than Jesus? No. All right. Walking away. Jesus needed Sabbath. You were limited in your intellectual prowess. I know how smart you are, but you're limited. You're limited in physical abilities. You're limited in how little sleep you can get and still function. You're limited in all these things. You need Sabbath because Sabbath reminds us of who we are. And we like to be the creators and definers of Sabbath, but some of us need to let God begin to write down what our Sabbath actually looks like. Our Sabbath should be something that's daily and for an extended period of time. I would suggest 24 hours of Sabbathing a week. Leisure time. I know that sounds crazy to some of you, but maybe this is where you need to go. That daily, you need to be connecting with the Lord. Like, you need that. You're like, don't tell me what to do. I, it's like a doctor saying, like, you know, don't do crack. It's like, don't tell me not to do it. It's like, but it's going to be really good for you if you don't do that. It's like Jesus saying, you need rest. You were made this way. You need it. You need to be connecting with the Father. Because he has your best intentions in mind. And you're going to need to schedule this probably. And I'll get to that in a second. But you're going to need to write down blocks in your calendar. If you don't have a calendar, like write that down. Get a calendar. Um, you need one. Schedule this. If you don't schedule it, you will not do it. Rest is the easiest thing not to do. Because there's always important things to do. But Sabbath has to happen. It has to happen. Leisure. 
on Sabbath, rest. Leisure isn't lazy. It's not being slothful. Like you were created to be an ambassador of God. And you're like, I'm in my PJ still too. You're lazy. That's being lazy. And I'm not saying like once in a while, like that's okay. But like daily, when, when everything is just about you and being comfortable and just enjoying the Lord. But are you? Because enjoying the Lord also comes with imperatives. There's indicatives. I'm beloved. I, I don't have to work for this. Amen. Awesome. But the indicative then leads to an imperative. My dad is so great that I'm going to go tell everyone about him. My dad is so generous that I'm going to go give away. My dad is, is so wonderful with, with how he uses time and, and listens to me. I'm going to go listen to other people. Right? The, the indicative should lead us into the imperative. That we can't be lazy followers of Jesus. On our Sabbath, it's not an invitation to waste time. Your idea of wasting time and my idea of wasting time might be different, all right? So I could give you a list. I'm not going to, because I don't want for any to be like, well, I don't, I don't like that because he said that thing, okay? So I'm not going to say that thing. Let me just give you Jonathan Edwards. Oh, this is painful for all of us, okay? Jonathan Edwards said this. He was a pastor, 17th, 17th century, uh, 18th century, sorry. Resolved. Never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. He was either 17 or 21 when he wrote that. So like, if you can play Fortnite to the glory of the Lord, and you're like, when Jesus comes back, like, we're just going to continue this. I'm going to parachute down with Jesus. Like, it's going to be real. Like, okay. If you can... Uh, be taking a nap knowing that when Jesus comes back, like I'm going to be napping like, hey, Jesus, like I like napping. So that's a good thing. But we don't waste time. We don't have much time. And that's not like we have to do things because it's urgent, like the Lord's going to do it. But the Lord is not inviting us to waste time. You only get so much of it. Rest is not an, an opportunity to have that be disposable and wasteful. Also, don't waste resources due to boredom. You're bored, so like you go on some extravagant thing. It's like, well, like what did that cost? Like, oh, it was like $700, like for one experience. Why'd you do it? There was nothing else to do. I can think of a lot of things to do with $700. And not that extravagant things are bad, okay? This is, this is like the tension of, of leisure. But if you're doing things because you're just chasing adventure, you're, you don't want to be bored, you don't want to really rest, those might be things you need to give up so that you can actually hear from the Lord and what he wants. Don't run from rest. Don't run from work. But don't run from rest. See, being busy doesn't necessarily equate into being godly. How you doing? Busy. I, yeah, but we all are being busy. You're busy being lazy. I'm busy doing this. He's busy doing Like, we're all busy. I get it. But that doesn't mean we're godly. When we Sabbath, we're being busy doing the right things. Third, rest and leisure should include others. All you introverts are like, no, that's not what Sabbath means, but it is. Oh, I know it sucks, but it's true. Sabbath is not this like loner sport. In fact, Sabbath is a communal thing where people come together. It's interesting. Our individualistic society has now met with Christianity and we've created these weird ideas of Sabbath where you're just all by yourself, all the time. 
like a monastic type thing. And you can't Sabbath with people. But yet, biblically, Sabbath was something that was almost always with people. That it should include others. Not all the time. You can get your introvert time, get your alone time with God. But it needs to involve others. Your home, your house is not a fortress. If your home is your refuge, you misunderstand why God gave you a home. Your home is a place for hospitality to flow out to your family and to others. Not where you can seal yourself up and be protected from others. God made leisure for you to enjoy him and creation. And by the way, that doesn't just mean nature. It means other people. That God wants to invest into others what he's investing in to you. So do what you like with other people. Let me make this simple. Do what you like with other people. You like playing basketball. Play basketball, invite others into it. Join a league. You enjoy knitting. Knit with other people. You enjoy reading books. Join a book club. Do it with other people. You enjoy praying. Pray with other, like do what you enjoy doing with other people. Don't think of life as just all by yourself. You weren't made to do life by yourself. And also you aren't your personality type. If introvert, extrovert was such a big deal, God would have made that known in the Bible. It would have been like, for you extroverts, this is what mission looks like. Introverts, this is what it looks like. For you Enneagram sevens, this is what it looks like because you're all about fun. And for you eights, I just want to yell at people like, go this way. Like, right? God didn't do that. These are helpful, but you're not your personality type. Use that stuff, but don't hide behind it. When the spirit of God wants to make an introverted nine, a ferocious lion behind the pulpit, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. Fourthly, we'll move through these ones fast. Fill your minds and hearts with what's good. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What do you put into you? What do you put into you? And I'm not saying that you need to get a subscription to Pure Flix or whatever. If you have that, that's fine. But I'm not saying that everything has to be Christian content. But some of your diets suck. Some of it just sucks. You allow your minds, eyes, and ears to be exposed to things that people should just not be exposed to. And you, you do that in the name of Christian maturity. I'm mature in Christ. I can see this. Well, let me give you some verses about how you're not supposed to even have a hint of that in your mind. That some of you need to reevaluate what you, what you view, listen to, and experience because it's not what the Lord has for you. And I don't know who lied to you to tell you that, but it's not Jesus. Jesus isn't saying, do whatever you want. Look at whatever you want. Does the, the, the illustration is like our heart is a furnace burning reflections for the Lord. What you put into it is, it, is it water that just douses it? Or is it more fuel that stokes it and sends you into your, your normal life with more affection for the Lord, more affection for his purposes to be seen? Now, it's important to watch, study, read culture. Most of my magazines that I read and books that I read are by non-Christians that I disagree with. Why? Because I want to understand the people I'm ministering to. 
right? Not just through the one-on-one conversations and relationships, but I want to understand worldview. And I want to see how that collides with the gospel worldview. And I want to be ready to minister. But my diet mostly includes the Lord, his word, the people of God speaking into my life, right? Don't let the sirens woo you. Don't let the cultural sirens woo you into destruction. And then you say, it's okay. I'm a mature Christian. I can do this. No, you can't. Fifth, uh, I'm going to need help because D-A-H-2 needs to get the, there we go. Uh, Stay alert. Stay alert. When you're resting, sometimes you're like, oh, it's so good. I'm, I'm free. And you know what? There's a real spiritual battle going on. I don't have time to go into all this, but there's an enemy, a spiritual enemy that wants to devour you. And he's prowling around, especially in your leisure, especially in your rest. When you're like, can I just get a break? No, he won't give it to you. He won't let you. Let's see if you're really a follower of Jesus when you get into this environment. Let's see how you respond to these things. Most often when I talk to guys, right, because I talk to guys often, and I hear about temptations or things that they've done, like, well, what were you doing? I was kind of bored, kind of hanging out. Leisure, Sabbath, rest day, rest time. Everyone went to bed. I didn't hear, well, I was hammering away at the job site and all of a sudden I was having an affair. But that doesn't happen, right? You have to have leisure time to think about how I'm going to cover my tracks and how I'm going to remove these things so that they don't find out or how am I going to look at this stuff or how am I going to have this habit on the side without anyone knowing, right? You have to think about this. And the time that's set aside to be enjoying who the Lord is, you're filling it up with these plans. We have to stay alert. Our rest includes fighting to believe that Jesus is better. And some of us don't rest because we know that there's going to be a fight. Oh, I've tried too hard. I just need to stay busy. You're like conflict averse. You don't want a spiritual battle, so you're just not going to rest at all. So my call to you is to become, I know this sounds weird, but become non-conflict averse. Go into your rest day being like, gloves on, like armor on, like I'm ready to fight. I'm going to rest knowing who Jesus is. And I know that there's an enemy that wants to accuse me and condemn me and tell me lies. I'm ready. I'm ready. And I have people ready to call and text and, hey, I'm tempted to this. Like, would you speak into this? Could, could we rest together today? Be ready. You're going to be attacked. Sabbath is not a time to just exhale and chill. It's a time to be ready to fight. Six, schedule details. Okay, less than, re- <laughs> there it is again, less than leisure. Less than leisure. So when you're less than reasoning this week, please, like, it sounds like I have bad habits too. Um, I have no flask up here with me, all right? It's just honest. Uh, leisure and rest that honors God rarely just happens. It doesn't just happen. You don't fall into godliness. Like, I don't know, yesterday I was a porn addict. Today, like, <laughs> I am the holiness of God. Like, that rarely happens. I'm so busy, now I'm just restful. It's like, you have to work at this. So steward your calendar. Write in alone time, people time. Jess and I have a calendar. We have, we're going to have people over on these nights. We're not going to have people over on these days, right? 
We try and schedule this out as much as we can. Be scheduling this out. Here's a trick I want to share as well. Schedule your alone times when no one else would be there. I get up at 5 or 5.15 every day. That's not by choice. That's not because I'm like this holy, amazing, whatever. It's because my kids get up so stinking early that I'm like, if I want to actually be like a Christian dad when they wake up, um, I need to get up early. I need to like work out all my junk with the father and sometimes I need to go for a run before they get home and like when the kids wake up, I'm, I'm ready for them. I'm ready to minister. I'm ready to, to expect the unexpected in a sense. Maybe it's late at night for you. Maybe that's the time that you Sabbath, but find times where no one's gonna bother you or leave, do what Jesus does. He would like leave town. Well, it's time for my, you know, 14,000 steps to get to my desolate place. And Jesus would just crank it out or he'd climb a mountain and then people would find him. He's like, I'm gonna find a higher mountain, right? You gotta go to those higher places or early times so that you can be alone with the Father. And last, expect God to interrupt our ideas of rest, your ideas of rest. So you get up at five and you're like amazing and then the kid wakes up at 5.15 like vomiting. And here's, here's my thing. I, I say it almost every time. Like, Lord, I'm up early to meet with you. Why is this happening? Like, why is interruption happening? And then he reminds me, I put you here as my servant to deal with this. Uh, all right, that's right, fine. Right, I don't have this like nice holy conversation. It's like, I'm struggling to believe this stuff. Expect God to interrupt our ideas of rest and leisure. Because look what happens. Those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men plus wives and kids that we don't know how many were there. When this happened, I guarantee none of the disciples are bummed out. What did you do this weekend? Well, I went on vacation, but it kind of sucked because I thought we were going to go snorkeling. But, you know, Jesus just took five loaves and two fish and multiplied them and fed everyone. But, like, I'm kind of bummed because I still wanted to do that thing. No way. Every single gospel account, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, talk about this. Why? Because the, the disciples couldn't shut up about it. It's like this, did I tell you about the 5,000 feet? Yes, Peter, be quiet. Like we're, Peter, shut up. Like you, you deny, but like, ah, right? Like this is, they couldn't be quiet about it. They were amazed by it. Uh, two guys in our, in our gathering, I would love for them to tell the story one time, but a few weeks ago, uh, this is so great. I can't wait for him to tell the story, but he prayed to uh, enjoy a beer enjoy wings, and then, Lord, please give us an opportunity to talk to someone. And I'm like, that is such a good prayer. You know, like, on rest time, it's like beer, wings, ministry. So great. And, uh, and the Lord answered that prayer. And it was like during rest, leisure time. And the Lord did something extravagant during that time. Amazing. Uh, my wife and I had a great privilege this past week. Wednesday night, we had, uh, I think it was Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. We had a, a night planned out where it was going to be us and our family. And then we had two people who are pretty new to Canada. They, they came and we had the privilege of having them into our home, getting to hear their story, getting to pray for them. They're, uh, they're connecting to our church. Really exciting. Um, but imagine those guys, they, they go into like, Lord, we want beer and wings, right? No ministry tonight rest time, leisure time, bro time. They go in and they get this opportunity and they're like, oh, I know what this is. And like, just walk away. Or it's like, oh, 
I have this whole little plan all set for our evening as a family and like, oh, we'll get to that another time and walk away. We, we can so easily miss things that the Lord has for us to be involved in because we've made rest and leisure all about us. See, God intrudes into our sheltered experiences with his kingdom experiences. He wants for you to enjoy eternal things and we're so satisfied with a little, a little beer and wings. We're so satisfied with a little night alone. We're so satisfied with our book. And those aren't bad. Hear me, those aren't bad. But when the Lord offers out smorgasbord of eternal infinite riches that we'll be celebrating, remembering, talking about forever, you're not going to remember your Guinness and bad wings because nowhere in Montreal cooks good wings. All right? You're not even going to remember that. You're going to be talking about remember when Jesus showed up and did this thing. That was awesome. That's what I want to be about. That's what he invites us into with our Sabbath. So what's the Spirit saying to you? What is the Spirit saying to you? What does he want to change about your Sabbath? What does he want to change about your leisure? Maybe you need to get a Sabbath. Maybe you need to get time. Maybe you need to get a calendar. Maybe you need to change your diet of what you consume because it's garbage. Your media stuff. Maybe you need to get someone into your life because you're, you're saying, I'm consuming all this stuff and I didn't even know it was bad and it's destroying me. Would you help me? I don't know what the Spirit's saying to you, but I know that the Spirit wants for you to Sabbath and rest and leisure so that you can look more like Jesus for this city who desperately needs to see him as the true sovereign one leading his own kingdom party that when the conservatives, liberals, NDPs, Bloc Québécois, uh, Marxist, Leninists, like they're on the ballot somehow, like when all of those are gone, because one day they'll be gone, Jesus' party, his kingdom will still be ruling and reigning and he wants to spread it in the city through his people. A city that works so hard that needs to hear this God, about this God that invites them to rest and they need to see it from the people of God doing it. Let me pray. Lord, thank you that you are a God of rest. You invite us into your rest. You invite us into your leisure and you do crazy things like feed multitudes of people in the midst of vacations. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you that you rescue people inside bookstores. Thank you that you bring people into our country to be able to minister to new people. Lord, thank you that you are a God of of all peoples, tribes, nations, and tongues. Thank you that your eternal purposes can't be snuffed out. And Lord, we, we as a people, we repent from being self-centered. We repent of our laziness and our slothfulness. We repent of trying to define what Sabbath is instead of receiving what you've said Sabbath is. We repent of trying to create our self-salvation plan that we believe you. We're trying to change on our own. We're trying to avoid rest. We repent of that. We want to take on a new rest and enjoy you. And Lord, would you allow us to rest in such a way that our city, this region, this province would look in on the church and say, what type of God do you serve where he would allow you to rest with your whole lives? That we would be able to point back to you, Jesus. We thank you that you are alive and active and moving. Would you change hearts this morning? Would you help us respond well? Amen.